Welcome to Woman On. I'm your host, Maxie McCoy, and this season, we're talking to the women and people making 2020 actually somewhat inspiring. Remember, if you love what you're hearing on this show, you can get a free worksheet that comes with each episode, and if you're an ultimate Woman On fan, you can get a season pass to join our exclusive sessions. It's where we learn how to apply the wisdom from the show into our own lives. Find out more at womanoncollective.com. My next guest is Jessica Lignato, who will make you see stars, like actually, because she is an insanely gifted astrologer. She's also a psychic medium, and you will feel her powers when you listen to this conversation, I promise. Jessica's also the author of Astrology for Real Relationships and the host of Ghost of a Podcast, and the creator of Zodiac the Vote. She is the ultimate example of sharing your gifts for the greater good. I look up to her a lot. I will admit something here, though, because, well, that is my style. At one point in the not-so-distant past, I got pretty cracked out on reading my monthly horoscopes, like, sort of obsessively, that I started to get deep anxiety about the weeks ahead. I was completely worried about my month based on what the horoscope said or didn't say. It wasn't really my finest hour, but it was true. So when I realized what I was doing, which is what Jessica warns against, letting astrology come at the expense of common sense, I changed the way I thought about my place in the stars. I started using it more as a tool to think through my reaction to things and less like some huge spoiler alert for my own life. But, 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 I did not stop absorbing Jessica's work because she's honest and she's clear about one thing. She's not here to predict the future. She's here to help you create it. The future she's committed to creating is one that keeps us from going backwards, which is why I couldn't wait to talk to her about what she sees coming up for our relationships, for the election, and for 2021. Settle it, because this conversation, I promise you, is as fun as it is insightful. And you'll get a little sneak peek into what Jessica sees in the astrological charts for two very important relationships in my life. Here's Jessica Lignato on the stars, election, and you. When you think about where you are now, how long have you been doing this? Remind me. I uh, started taking clients in 1994. So that was my first professional. A long client. minute. Yeah, long and, you know, I, one of the things that I love about your work is just how embedded civic engagement, social justice, equality, diversity, inclusion, all of it is there with such integrity in a way that makes you who you are. And I wonder that back in 1994, was it always embedded in your work? I can't go back on the internet to 1994, no, but I, I just, I'm so interested in where you started. Yeah. Um, no and yes. So, you know, in 1994, I was 19. Um, and I moved here from Canada. I was raised in Canada. I, and uh, I moved here in Canada from Canada to be an astrologer. And I'd come out of the closet like a year or two before. So also to be a lesbian. Um, and so <laughs> I didn't always say it in that term. We call ourselves dykes <laughs> at the time. it sounds so good when you do. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. So I was, you know, I mean, I was a kid, the internet existed, but it wasn't like a thing that people used. I don't 
we didn't even have ATM cards at the time. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, fucking time ago. So thinking about, um, the kind of what you're framing around like social justice and politics. No, not in the way that I do it now. And that's a combination of access through the tools of technology maturity. You know, I couldn't have Mm -hmm. talked about these things in a comprehensive way and connected them to a grounded understanding of astrology and history because I was a kid, you know, and I, um, maturity is a beautiful thing. It is. And and (laughs) letting things develop over time. It's underrated in our current society throughout my twenties and probably till my mid thirties. I was one of the more conventional conservative people I interacted with all of my friends and contacts were much more, uh, politically progressive than me. Um, a lot of the people in my social world were activists and mm. organizers. And, um, and so I didn't, you know, in the context of the mainstream world, I have been told that my politics are, you know, sometimes radical or progressive. I don't think of them as that at all. I see them as really kind of just like humanistic and basic. Yeah. So there's yeah. also this, like, I would... I just wouldn't ever think like I should talk about these things in public because there's people who are better informed and better suited to that. Being able to use astrology um, as as a way of contextualizing what's happening now, Mm. the way it's connected to history, and how we can best position ourselves for a future we actually want to live in. Astrology is uniquely kind of positioned to do those things. And again, I couldn't have done this 10 years ago. You know, I'm almost 46 now. Um, At 36, I wouldn't have been good enough. And I've been practicing astrology, like I've said, a very long time. Super long time. It's it's the practice of time. You know, astrology is the practice of time. And I think it's really important to allow wisdom and and uh, competency to mature over time Mm -hmm. and i'm really really grateful uh honestly that the first decade of my life uh, my my career is not in the wayback machine you know i'm so grateful not on the internet so you just launched zodiac the vote yes can you Tell us a little bit about why a 411 on astrology and civic engagement was important to you right now. I mean, I think it's obvious, but. Yeah, I mean, (laughs) some of it's really obvious and some of it less so. Like I, I really believe in civic participation. I, I am actually a huge fan of protest and organizing and voting, you know, and I think for lots of different kinds of people, there's different ways to engage. I really do have great concerns about what's happening socially and politically in the U.S. And the way that my career has always gone is I work primarily, or I I worked primarily as a counselor and supporting people in, you know, kind of making sure their actions align with their values, right? Um, But through the last couple few years, through having a podcast, I've found a way that it's appropriate for me to share my perspective about politics and social issues, which was never appropriate in like one-on-one consultations. You're like, and, but yeah, but let me tell you what I think. Because Can I tell you about the election? Cool. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. People don't like that. It's not what they're paying for. And so for me, uh, you know, my co-founder, Lindsay Scola and I um, started talking about politics and talking about, you know, kind of like 
politics in the context of the things I was talking about on my podcast, Ghost of a Podcast. And we were just like, let's get do a get out the vote project. And we really, the, the goal for this is not just to get out the vote. It's to create accessible information for horoscope readers, for people who are actually really interested in how um, astrology impacts the human condition, not just for their own personal lives, but for the world at large. And so the, um, the thing that we're doing with this is we're creating a Mercury retrograde voter survival guide because Mercury is going to be stationed direct on the election, but retrograde the whole time leading up. Yeah. So, you know, it's one of those things that like, it makes, it makes perfect sense that you would say that, but anytime dates align like that, as the non-astrologer here, (laughs) I'm always mind blown. Like, are you still mind blown by it sometimes? I'm not slash also sometimes I am, I guess. Like when Trump recently came out with the 1776 project, which is basically his way of being like F you to the 1619 project. I mean, it's so on the money because in February of 2021, we are going through the Pluto return of the United States, which is directly related to 1776. And, you know, the, the risk with this is many fold. But one of the things is the colonizers who came to this land and raped and pillaged and all the things that we know they did, they were fleeing a monarchy to create a democracy for themselves, not for people who were different than them. But regardless, they were creating a democracy. And what we are going to be dealing with is not just a confrontation of the shame of this nation, um, which has been really activated since January of 2020, is it's much more in the consciousness of the collective, the things that we have done terribly wrong and we are still doing wrong. But it's also a time where we're really going to double down on the democracy that we have, or uh, astrologically, we will have a serious slipping back into what we basically left. You are completely focused on showing us the intersection of these really wildly important things. If you think about like what you want people to be drawn to in this moment, obviously the outcome of a vote, but I know that astrology isn't meant, you said it on your site, it's not meant for us to be predicting the future. It's, it's meant for us to be shifting it and, mm-hmm. and diving in. So what does that look like for people right now? Mm-hmm. You know, there's so many ways that I could answer it and feel like this is the best answer. But the truth to my heart is I really want people to have the emotional intelligence Mm. to be able to see what the easiest thing to do is and not do that, but to do the right thing. And to see the thing that is, you know, they think is like um, the most kind of like conventional. It's what your family's doing. It's what you think you're supposed to be doing. Do the right thing. Yeah. Don't worry about all the rest. And I think, I think that we all need courage right now. We need courage to do what is right. We need courage to not just consider ourselves, and, but to consider like all of the most vulnerable communities, um, to consider people who are different from us, not just our friends yeah. or our families. And that's for everybody, you know? And I think that at the end of the day, when we have policies and laws and politicians um, who do not represent the populace, it's not realistic for them to represent our needs. 
And so we need more diversity and representation. And that is one thing I actually really want to encourage with Zodiac the Vote, which if you had told me even 10 years ago that I would do in public, I would have laughed and explained to you in great detail why that was not possible because astrology has had its moment in the sun in a different way than it ever has in uh, American society. Um, When did you notice that moment in the sun happened for you and for your career? mm Mm-hmm. Uh, I would say it would probably be in the last seven, eight years is when, and I credit the internet very much to this (laughs) because so good and so punchy sometimes all the, it's all the damn things. I mean, it is all the things. It's all the things. So if we're not being idealistic, what happens with the internet is all of these brands needed to create 24 hours a day, seven days a week content. How do you do that? Right. And so they started enlisting astrologers and astrology content. And because there was more and more of it, then there was more competition for it to actually be accurate and engaging or inspiring fear and being cutely drawn, like all the things. Let's be realistic. Right. That is something that I so appreciate about the work that you put out is that it does the opposite of inspiring fear. That's the goal. That's the goal. Thank you. And without so sugarcoating it, that's my hope because- No, you're real. It just yeah. is like, it doesn't make me feel bad about the next month, which we're going to get to. <laughs> oh, we're going to get to it. Oh, we're going to get there. You so, know? So I think that, so there's that piece is that astrology became more accessible. It became okay. all over the internet and that had nothing to do with astrology. And then as people started engaging, uh, tech people started to be like, oh shit, I could create uh, an app Apps. and that app will make millions and millions of dollars. And they were right. Yep. And so, you know, it's this, and then there's also this other piece, which is that people like me, um, who, you know, are individual astrologers could self publish. And I have, I don't have the same access as a big, you know, website, like refinery 29 is going to always show up like the page. Yeah. Well, thank you very much. Yeah. But you know, it's like, there, there's like good SEO is a huge part of our world. And it's not something people talk about or consider enough, but we should. Because mm-hmm. the first page on a Google result is SEO. Someone's paying a lot of money to show up on the first page. And so what happens now is that all of these big brands that, you know, they hire astrologers, but they're not astrology brands. They are the first ones to show up. Um, and that's really new, right? Because it used to be that even a couple few years ago, that it would be like the astrologers with the biggest followings are what would show up. So that's right. shifting. And right. you know, a lot of uh, older astrologers are concerned that this will be the downfall of astrology, like the memification of astrology, mm. the prolif- like having so much astrology out there that is not necessarily, it's basically all horoscopes. Yeah. That gets really tricky yeah. because horoscopes are um, like the lucky charms of astrology. They're yeah. like, really fun, but they're not good for you necessarily. Like they're not like nutritious, yeah. you know, yeah. they can be like, I try to make mine, but that's not what they inherently are because they're, um, they're just, just one component. Exactly. And they're generalized yeah. for millions yeah, and millions of people, textual. right? It's not, it's not, yeah. it's not personalized to you. I remember when I was like, Oh, it's more than being a Capricorn. Yes. I didn't know. I love that you bring up the, you know, this prolific creation of, of content. We have a lot of entrepreneurs and business owners and creatives that are a part of our community. And, you know, especially with Social Dilemma coming out recently, how do you think about your relationship to, like, you are an astrologer and a medium and an author. You're doing incredible 
work, work. And to get that work out there does require the media pieces. Was mm-hmm. that a hard shift for you to make? Is it something that you kind of evolved into naturally? What did that look like for you? It was not natural. Oh, no, no, no. Uh, in 2017... Make it look so good, though. Thank you. That's very <laughs> nice of you to say. I mean, I like emojis and gifts a mm-hmm. lot. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I've learned that pe- because I use emojis and gifts a lot, people have a sense that I'm good at the internet or something. No, I just like emojis and gifts. I consulted. I had a friend who used to work at BuzzFeed, who's uh, maybe like a decade younger than me, who was like old enough to talk to me and young enough to like fucking educate me. Exactly. And, um, and so I really like struggled hard. And basically this is, this is my attitude about advertising, which is in a way what social media is. It's not the only thing it is for sure, but it is, it's, it's about making it easy for people to find you. That's it. For me, I'm not, I, I've never advertised myself. I'm not going to advertise myself, but I will try to show up authentically so that people know who I am and what I have to offer so that if they're looking for something or someone like me, if they're looking for a product that I, I offer, yeah. that it's not, it's not going to be hard for them to find me because at the end of the day, for what I do for a living, the only reason why people reach out to astrology for, at first is because they're suffering. That's it. And so if you're suffering and you also have this, like, how the hell am I going to find an astrologer or a medium? Then you're not at your most resourceful self necessarily, right? Right. So I just want it to be easy. And a lot of people who are psychics, less astrologers, but who are psychics and mediums, they're very hard to find for very good reasons. Um, You don't want to be found, you know, um, in that that very public way. Um, And so I... I'm kind of constantly struggling and recalibrating around my relationship to social in particular since COVID um, it's really changed. When COVID hit, I started to drop a second podcast episode a week and I wanted to be more socially engaged. And then um, because when, people were suffering or you were fielding so many questions, okay. people were suffering. And I was just like, everyone's stuck at home. Everyone's terrified. Mm-hmm. Um, I did see uh, a pandemic coming. I thought it was going to come later in 2020 than it did. Um, so while I was, you know, as stunned as everyone else, I wasn't surprised. Yeah. Um, and so I, I wanted to create more content. And then um, with the social uh, uprising that, was sparked by George Floyd's murder. It was at that point where I was just like, my strategy for social media, in particular for Instagram, had always been, I'm dropping a candy trail, and mm. then I want you to find me, and I will feed you Brussels sprouts that are organic, and it came from my garden. Like that's kind of been my strategy. It's like with Himalayan pink salt, and you'll have exactly, no yeah. exactly. Yeah. That's exactly yeah. it. So my, my, well, cause people don't want to eat their vegetables to your point. Like no, it don't. just, and you, we see it with what performs and with what gets yeah. shared. It's, yeah. it's hard to fight. It is. And also I'm not interested in virtue signaling, value signaling. I'm, I don't like it. And I don't feel competent to determine where and what is that. And yeah. in my efforts to create content that's supportive to people, there's always a risk of creating harm. Always the risk of creating harm. You might read something that is incredibly supportive to you and someone else with a different set of experiences is going to read it as something really negative Mm. and uh, they could experience harm from it. And that is just like, I, I, I don't, it like, it stops me in my tracks. So since 
then since that shift, I've been on social a lot less and very differently because I don't think it's appropriate for me to take up space um, with a candy trail. Yeah. I am really comfortable talking about these things as you've heard my podcast. So, you know, I'm comfortable talking about these things. Totally. And I imagine that you have more space in that podcast to contextualize and give what is, and you can hear it when you speak on, on ghost of a podcast, which I have loved. It just, you hear all the nuances to exactly what you're saying. That's the effort. And then with writing, which I don't enjoy writing at all. Um, I, I really, it takes so much effort and, and energy to do that, but also to do it in like the tiny little succinct, like some people are so good at being like, word, 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 all caps, low caps. Okay. Burr, you got my message. And, and it's impactful. And it's great. I'm not that person. I'm, yeah. I'm, you know, I have like an odd cadence of speech and it's how my brain works. I have an odd cadence of thought. And when I can verbally express myself, like I, I feel like I can express myself with writing. I, I know that my cadence doesn't come across. And so I have to like figure out how to, how to communicate very differently. It's just a whole fucking thing it's for just, me. Well, so knowing that I, I would love to know how was writing the book for you, astrology for real relationships, which mm-hmm. is just over your, your corner. You can see it glistening in the, yeah. Well, so you had a co-writer, right? Mm-hmm. What, so basically I spoke it. I spoke the whole book. She awesome. typed, typed, typed because it. Because that's your, as an astrologer medium, that's your medium. <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And then we went through the editing process together. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, tweaking it to make sure that it was, you know, accurate in my voice, yada, yada. Um, totally. We had a very short period of time to write the book. It was like six months from very start Any to very love when publishers do that to you? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Six months, but also over New Year's and Christmas and all the mm-hmm. things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it was four. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So I, I spoke more than I wrote. Um, there was, yeah, editing, but not writing. And yeah. I am so grateful for that and for T. Greenaway's participation because you know, I... The doula to, your, doula to your words. Exactly. Yeah. Doula to my words. That's yeah. nicely said. Thank you. I have, uh, I have done some ghostwriting. How do you like it? I just, um, this year, actually, the book that I co-wrote uh, for someone came out. And that's how, that was the only way I could explain what I was doing. I consider myself a facilitator of women's stories. And it was like, this is just that in a form I never knew I was going to be doing. But I was like, oh, it's your baby. It's your genes. It's your love. I'm just kind of helping usher. Yeah. 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 It, so, it's, it's a complicated, weird thing. It's so intimate and all of that, but, um, it, well, it's trust. You're trusting this thing that's being absorbed as you, Jessica, but it came through someone else's fingers. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it can be. It's weird, but it was so great for lots of reasons. Not the least of which was she's not an astrologer. And so when I said things and she was like, wait, what? It was great because I know what I'm talking about. I think it makes sense when I say it, but when she was like, uh, this makes no sense. I have no idea what you're saying. That was so helpful because I was like, well, if you don't know, nobody's going to know. So yeah, she kind of like held, held the position of the reader the whole time in a way. Yes. yes, Yeah. So can you talk to me about the origin of, of that book and, you know, just for you, why, why that was important to you at that specific time. Mm-hmm. So 
honestly, the book I wanted to write is about depression. Mm. Um, but I didn't pitch that book, um, anywhere because I don't think my first book should have, like, I don't, people are happy to, yeah, people want to buy a book about relationships more than about depression, I think in general. So that, you know, is like in the back of my mind of what I want to do sometime. Um, but the true story of it is I had a lecture that I, you know, I, I teach other astrologers and astrology students. So I had a lecture, uh, intimacy issues in the birth chart. And I gave it a bunch of times. And then this other astrologer, who's like an audio journalist at tech dude, he was like, we should make an audiobook. So we recorded. It was like three days, two days. I don't remember if like just these epically long days. We just recorded, I think, like 14 hours of audio. And we're like, this wow. is going to be an audiobook. And then we did the research about what an audiobook was and realized, no, that it's not at all going to be an audiobook. So I had done all this work and really like, like steeped myself in the data and then was like, okay, I guess I got to let it go. And then, um, I started getting approached by people who were like, you should write a book. book. And at first I was like, no, honey, she doesn't want to write a book. She's not interested in books. Um, so to the first one and to the second one, I was like, well, maybe I should consider this. And then I got connected with my book agent and, um, and my co-author and it kind of was like, we're there. Exactly. It all just kind of came together. And I will tell you that as a queer person, there, there are like gay astrology books, mm-hmm. um, but that's not what I want. I just mm-hmm. want a, a feminist, inclusive book that yep. doesn't over-rely on gender roles and gender yep. stereotypes, that doesn't assume heteronormativity. So not just heterosexuality, but also like lots of people don't want babies or they want a relationship, but they don't want marriage or they want marriage, but they don't want to be monogamous. Like I just wanted to move beyond these kinds of assumptions and stereotypes and create a document that all the people could use. And within that, I wanted to make sure to include friendships because there's this way that in like heterotypical dynamic, um, you like kind of grow up and then you find your man and then you leave your friends behind and you only talk to them when your man bugs you. And I'm not about hundred percent. And by yeah. the way, people still do that. People do that. that. Oh, I know what they are doing. I'm like, you cannot forego your community for love. No, that love does better within a community. Always. And you yeah. know, even for introverts, having one-on-one relationships where you can be a full whole person outside of your romantic entanglement. That is healthy. It's sustainable. Yeah. It's not sustainable to have one friend no. partner, yeah. who you yeah. need everything from. That's a holdover from women being owned by men. Right. It's not good for anyone. You, and, you accomplished that so well in that book, you. as you know. And you. one of the things that I really took away is kind of the, the red thread connecting everything was you know, you talked a lot about intimacy, which I, I, I have follow-up questions for you on, but it, it just was so true that like how I read your book was, it all starts with intimacy with yourself. And that is what is taking us through all of these different types of relationships. And have you found a different sort of intimacy with yourself through this process of not only writing the book, but then also having to go through this transformation that has been 2020? Mm. That's a great question. Um, so two, two very different questions. The one about the book, mm. 
You can Honestly, just dive right into 2020 yeah, if you want. Yeah, I might, I might, because <laughs> the thing about the book is probably no, because it was yeah. really like, you know, my, my writing partner was often like, this is just all in your head. Like, yeah. this, how is this just all in your head? It was just like, it was just like 25 years of boom, boom. You know? So that you can get to the, the deeper next, like yeah, the next, yeah. the depression book will be the intimate book. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> um, so, so there's that now in terms of 2020, oh, it's been so hard. Um, it's been such a hard time and I, you know, it's interesting. It's really transformed all of my preexisting friendships. It's brought certain new friendships into my life. Um, can I, mm-hmm. I, I just, I have to interject here to ask a follow-up question on that because we in our community have gotten into one of the more, um, passionate conversations that we have gotten into is that meme like 2020 shows you who your friends are mm. about if that's true or not. Was that was and is that true for you? And is that part of this, mm. this intimate journey or inti- self-intimacy journey? It's an interesting question. I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know because I, everybody responds to fear differently and everybody takes responsibility for themselves differently. And I'm a bit of a hermit. I'm not the most social person in the world um, anyways. And do some of my friends like respond to uh, the, the social issues that are occurring very differently than me? Yes. Um, do, they, do they have fundamentally different values than me? No. Um, in terms of COVID, there's more of a gap than there is with my social values and my, uh, my like humanistic values mm-hmm. shared. Um, and there's probably more of a, like a change, but it's like all of my younger friends are a lot riskier in their conduct with COVID. And my friends who are in, you know, middle age and older yeah. are more conservative. And that doesn't surprise me. I, I think it's not completely fair to say that 2020 shows you who your friends are, unless of course you had like social friends instead of deep friends. And then that's different. That's a really good point. Yeah. Yeah. Because the reality is like some people are just the response to the trauma of so much uncertainty is to shut down and like just follow the Kardashians wherever they go or whatever. And that doesn't mean they're bad people. And it doesn't mean that they don't care. It's just their coping mechanism. Mm-hmm. And other people, you know, do what I do, which is become like, I consume a ton of news. I am constantly working. And that is my response to this situation. Yes. And that's, it is what it, it's like a personality thing as much as it is anything else. Yeah. And so I don't, I don't know that it's exactly how I personally relate to it. Um, but I have personally, um, when Trump got his nomination, I made a decision at that moment. And that decision was that I was going to throw away all my boundaries with work. And I was just going to dive aggressively into work. Um, which, and boundary meaning like work, life, love, like boundaries around time or boundaries around thematics. Time. I, 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 you know, at the time I was working X amount of days a week and I, on the weekends, I wouldn't look at email, you know, like I, I figured out finally as a self-employed person, I've been full-time self-employed since 99. Uh, I figured out finally how to like have those boundaries. And then I have work-life balance. Exactly. No, no more. Um, but it was a decision because honestly, my assessment, uh, both as being a person from refugees and also an astrologer, 
is that I knew what was coming with Trump. And I felt that we have a limited amount of time where we can make a social change, where we can, uh, as, as, a as a collective full of individuals with complex experiences and coping mechanisms, we can really kind of step up to the challenge of this period. And my work is not, you know, and I know Zodiac the Vote is like a shift away from what I'm about to say, but um, my work has not been primarily political. I'm not an organizer. You know, I don't think there's ever going to be a, a space in politics for an astrologer or a medium. Like there's just way, you know, it's a very Christian playing field. And, and if somebody's Catholic, it's conversation. Like an astrologer is not going to cut, cut it. But um, that said, I... The world I is changing I, fast, Jessica. I'm that gonna, fast. We're going to show you this clip when you are Madam President. Okay, well, I don't think you will, but I like your attitude, very optimistic. So my attitude was like where I can be impactful is spiritual and emotional development. And so yeah. I just like started to really focus on that. Fine. And so the book was a part of that. I did um, like some TV stuff. I started doing more video stuff. I just started thinking about how can I expand my message and not just that, but, and this is again, a product of age, what I'm about to say is that when brands or whatever would ask me to do something, I would push back and I would say, I can give you what you're asking for, but let me give you a better ask. Let me tell you what would be better for me to do than what you're asking. asking. And a lot of times they would let me do it. Sometimes they wouldn't. And so I've just been kind of doing that more as a way to try to um, use this time that we have. And so, you know, launching Zodiac the Vote is my hope is that it will allow me to not only create more astrology content that helps make connections for people who aren't going to yeah. read about history, who, are, who don't really have the bandwidth for like understanding the difference between, you know, this piece, this person in office and that person in office. And to create, to create a resource where it's like digestible, reliable, um, usable, you know, yeah. and, and, and that for me is like, I'll, you know, I'll work six, seven days a week for, for something that I think can have an impact. And if I fail at it, or if it doesn't do what I want it to do, then again, I don't have regrets. And that's really okay. my ambition with life is like, I want to do what I can. And if it doesn't work, at least I tried to do what I could love what you're hearing well you get to really dive in by joining the 10-week collective where you'll be put into small groups that meet every week for the entire season led by one of our brilliant women on leaders they're so brilliant you're going to love them we break down the episode themes together every week we discuss we learn from each other it's seriously so fun and there's some super cozy merch that's exclusive to the collective. That's the woman on world. We hope, we really hope that you'll join us. Now let's get back to the combo. It's so interesting. I, the, when you said like that, it, that is the goal is to know that I did what I can. And then I'm adding on like in this lifetime is how I heard that. It's, yeah. you know, you always think about the, if you could speak with dead people, people who are no longer here in spirits. And that is something that you do. And so for, for me hearing you say that, it's like, yeah, that, that is the whole fucking point. The whole fucking Just point. do what you can. Yeah. yeah, that's right. What does, does that ever, 
cause friction for you in, in the relationships of your life of the, mm-hmm. that relationship to doing what you can comes up, questions. <laughs> uh, up against know, the love, the relationships that you're, you know, you're teaching. Yeah. Well, my partner, I am fianced. I'm forever fianced. I have been, I saw that in your acknowledgments and I was like, so many follow-up questions. (laughs) Thank you. Um, I really like rings. I like gold jewelry. I don't like contracts. And I, I mean, I do actually love contracts for business, but not for love. I don't want to be married ever. The idea of getting married makes me feel like the feelings of what I assume are a million heterosexual men feel like I just don't want to marry. Um, but I love being fianced. It's romantic. It's committed. It's French. Uh, yes. Yes. It's just so good. It's so good. I feel really good about it. So, uh, my partner and I, uh, you know, we live together in Oakland. We've been together for almost a decade now. We're about to hit our nine year anniversary. And I'm very lucky that he, you know, he shares a work ethic and values with me. So he has really different skills and he does different things in the world. Um, but he does really good work. And when he, um, you know, whether he's volunteering or he's, he's working for organizations that he believes in, uh, he's like me, he'll like work 10 hour days, like he seven days a week. He's just, so in my relationship, the only friction is that there's no one saying, Hey, should we take a walk? Like, should we, yeah, no, we're both like, should we eat a cake so that we can keep on working? That- cereal, cereal for dinner, you keep going. Yes. Yeah, that's kind yeah. of what happens over here. Yeah. So, so there's that. No, I think definitely some of my friendships have like fallen um, by the wayside because I don't have the time and bandwidth. Yeah. Um, and that that's that's happened. There's also like some communities that I had where like, you know, we would hang out and in physical space and you saw really- you could count on that to see them I that I have yes yeah yeah but you know I am very very concerned about COVID and I'm, I'm not fucking around and um you know it's like not only am I frightened of COVID itself but what I'm really frightened of is having to go to a hospital and not being able to see the faces of anyone not being able to be connected to my my loved ones the like humanity of it mm-hmm. is gone yeah, yeah. I and as a medium, going into hospitals on a regular day is really rough it's, on me. I, oh, interesting. Yeah, it's there's a lot of dead people there. You have to block out. Yeah. yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, it's rough. I don't like going to hospitals. So, um, I mean, nobody does, but no medium does, I can assure you. So I, I am very, very conservative about those things. And, and I, that all said, I am also more connected to people than I've ever been because I'm putting myself out there to be a surface in new ways, even having two podcast episodes a week. It's not a dialogue exactly, but it is a dialogue. And, um, I read, you know, tons of questions from listeners every day. And, um, that was one, that is one of the things that I feel like I, I just was so impressed with is the, the relationship to the proverbial audience. It's not probably proverbial. It's real. They're just not yeah. in your room. Yeah, they're not in the room. Like it is, it's just so present in, in what you're creating. So it's like, you know, cause your fingers on the pulse because Thank those you. people are with you. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I, I am, there's so many questions that I get from listeners that I can't answer for a variety of reasons. Um, sometimes it's just the question's so deep and serious that there's no way I could do it justice on the podcast. Yeah. Sometimes the advice that would be appropriate for them as an individual would not actually be appropriate for me to say in a collective environment for a variety of reasons. Yep. Um, and 
uh, you know, those people are with me all the time and it's really, it's a lot, it's a lot. And I, um, and then there's also just like logistics of like, there's only so many hours in, in a damn day. Yeah. <laughs> you, yeah. You have a life and a partner and cake to eat. Yeah. Yes. I have um, cake to eat. Although I, I will eat, eat cake while reading listener questions. Right? Just <laughs> Turns <laughs> out you can multitask. I have uh, the greatest neighbor. She lives two doors down and she's a baker and she's like, we're in an abusive relationship with her because she'll like drop off cookies that we, oh, that is wrong. Ourselves. Oh yeah. It's awful. I love her. She's a I, very kind person. It just, sweets can go really far. Uh, oh, yeah. But I, I so appreciate what you're saying just about the the in real time and the needing context and, you know, just the, um, the intention with which you choose what to show and what not. And, you know, when I was, I shared this with you over email, but I have referenced your book so many times with not only my chart, my partner, Charlie's chart, my business partner, and also dear friend, Lisa, who you've met her chart. I'm just looking at like, there's all these pieces that I didn't know because, you know, like Instagram astrology is just focused on one piece. And so I actually, I thought it'd be fun to ask you a couple questions in real time so people can get a feel for just how valuable the information in your book is because it's, it's so, it's such a reference and not to undercut it at all because there's, there's such beautiful through lines that really bring you closer to yourself. But then it also is something that I found that you could take action on and really understand That's another goal. person. Yeah. Okay. So here's my question with Charlie. Charlie and I have been together almost a year and a half. Congratulations. Uh, yes. Thanks. And it, you know, it has been interesting because all the growth, you know, people ask me like, what are you working on? How's 2020 been? And I'm like, truly some of the growth in my life, people think it's career and it's all happened by being with him, by being with someone where it's like finally a healthy grown-up, mature, actual partnership and the, you know, the things that it brings up. So I'm going to tell you his information real quick. Um, but here's my question. It's a really simple question. He's, I'm a Capricorn. He's- Wait, wait. wait. When you say you're a Capricorn, you mean your son in Capricorn. My son is a Capricorn. Thank you. Do you know what house your son is in? I, I do. I do. I do. It is- in the fifth house. Oh, okay. So you're signing Capricorn in the fifth house, which is, mm-hmm. okay, great, good. Okay, okay, keep going. All right. And then my question with Charlie is, and, and this is why it's, it's simple, is because there are so many dimensions to our charts and to astrology that are so much, you know, beyond just your son being in Capricorn, which is, you know, how the layman normals are thinking of astrology. And I say this as someone who always thought of astrology as just that until right. the last few years. And the compatibility, right? Like if I ever pull up a compatibility chart, it is my sun sign and his sun sign, which is also Capricorn. So what you do know I what house his and yes, sun? his house is in the first house. Okay. Very different kinds of Capricorns. Also, okay. not Wait, that so different. can you tell yeah, just like mm-hmm. tell me about tell me why those are different. So somebody can get a sense, anyone mm-hmm. listening to like, why we can't just be looking at sun signs. Okay. So, so there's a couple things. The first thing is tell me where your moons are. Sign and house. Okay. My moon is in Sagittarius in the third house. Mm-hmm. His moon is in cancer in the eighth house. Very different. Okay. Very different. So, so first of all, the sun is your identity and your will. And the reason why mainstream world tracks sun signs and prioritizes them is twofold. One is pragmatics. The sun moves one degree a day, 
everybody knows the solar seasons, it doesn't vary. It's very consistent. And so it's just easy, you know, for it to be something we all talk about and everyone can figure out their sun sign without any astrological data. The other reason why is because we live in a patriarchal capitalistic world. And so we focus on the will and the identity and what I, what you see of me. Sun is, the sun is, is this bright shining star, right? It's like this big thing. So the first and fifth houses. I am wearing yellow. Yeah, totally. You are, you are. Um, so the fifth house is the house of Leo. It's actually the natural placement for the sun to be. So you must be in Aries rising. And um, do you want to double check that? Yes, yes, yes. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. Uh-huh. Okay. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> so um, so the, the fifth house, similar to the first house, they're both fire houses. Mm-hmm. So you're both Capricorns, but you're Capricorns that are likely to be a little more extroverted than the stereotypes of Capricorn are, which means that you can play together, you can get along together, mm-hmm. you keep up with each other. Um, who's the bully? I bet you take turns because Capricorn on Capricorn violence is no joke. It's I'm the boss. It's like you're Tony Danza. He's Angela Bassett. No, wait, he's Angela. He's Tony Danza. You're Angela Bassett. Like it just changes all the damn time. So now having a son in the first house um, is really, it's in the, it's in a firehouse again, the house of Aries. What the Capricorn son in the first house is, is that people will see him as incredibly strong Mm. and reliable and a little judgy, I would guess. And, (coughs) excuse me. And, um, and yet because he has the moon in cancer, you said in the eighth house, he's so emo. Like he doesn't like people to see it. It, He's really good at hiding it. The only people who really get to know it are the the women he dates, I'm guessing. Yeah. Um, And I, he is somebody who his feelings can sometimes run at cross purposes with his identity because mm. he was born uh, either on a full moon or very close to a full moon. His sun and moon are opposite. And so his emotional tenderness can make him either like super like all over you love, 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 I'm in, or really shut down and controlling about how things need to be in order for him to show up. Now your moon is in Sag. So you're like, that's fine, honey. Let me just tell you what to do. <laughs> I do that a lot. Yeah, I know. Yeah, it's, been, it's so funny that you're saying this too, because, you know, I feel like throughout the, the learning, you know, the learning curve for me in dating men, right? I'm six one. I was always drawn to the big alpha, whatever dude. And, and it was like, oh, they're, they're so avoidant. This yes. is absurd. And now, and it has been so much of the growth is like, oh yeah, you can actually partner with someone, as you said, like with feelings, emotional intimacy. And, and at the same time, there's, there's two sides to every coin, which yes. is, which is, you know, beautiful. And on that note, because the other major partnership in my life that I'm curious about is a business partnership, which is also a friend. And that's Lisa, who you've met and incredible. And we just launched Woman On, which is this, you know, big thing that we've brought to life. And, you know, I think similar there, you know, if you talk to Lisa, she'll tell you that she's learned a lot in, in the growth of partnerships around business and life. And I learn a lot from her. And is there any particular spot on a birth chart to look for before engaging in a business type contract, which we have contracts, um, 
and also our friendship, you know, before making a choice like that, yes. as, as people are looking for their co-founders and looking for their business partners, yes, I can tell you the information yeah. you need to know. The mistake a lot of times I find women in particular make when uh, teaming up professionally with friends is you think, who do I get along with? Who am I comfortable with? Because this is scary. Instead of who do I have complementary skills with? Who's going to want to do the shit that I don't want to do and be good mm -hmm. at it and like it? Um, you know, who can I communicate with through stress? And that's really what we want to look at. And so the first place I look for a partnership is Mercury. So okay. you tell me, so I would ask about Saturn and Mercury. My Mercury that you asked about is in Aquarius in the fifth house. And Lisa's Mercury is in Aquarius in the sixth house. Okay. Uh, what about Saturn's? And then Saturn, my Saturn is in Sagittarius in the fourth house. And her Saturn is in Sagittarius in the fourth house. Interesting. There's, there's a couple of things about that. If you both have Saturn in Sagittarius in the fourth house, starting a business during COVID makes sense. Uh, because you don't have to physically go outside of your physical comfort zone in order to do the business. And so nobody's asking anybody to do something they don't want to do. You're mm -hmm. both going to be incredibly reasonable and compromising until you're really unreasonable and unwilling to compromise. Um, and so a lot of how that shakes down will fall to Mars and to, mm -hmm. um, well, let's start with Mars. What's, wh where are your respective Marses? Our, Le uh, well, I'll just go mine again. My Mars is in Sagittarius in the third house. And her Mars is in Sagittarius in the fourth house. Really? Yeah. Interesting. Um, You're like, this is a terrible idea. You no, 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 no. That's not what I'm saying. It's just surprising that you have all the same planetary alignments. Here's, here's where things get really interesting is because you have such intense similarities, the mm -hmm. work is going to be for the two of you to keep on checking in because you're both... Uh, uh, jump in the pool before you're sure if there's any water in there kind of girls, you know what I mean? Uh, and so that's all good when your roles are very clearly delineated, but this, yeah. there's something that neither of you really wants to do. Mm -hmm. or both of you really want to do, um, you're going to have two similar ways of coping. Right. And yeah. that's where, you know, you both Mars and Sagittarius. I have that too. Um, Tell us everything. Yeah. Mars and Sagittarius um, is, let me show you how to do that. No, 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 no. I'll do it. I'll do it. Don't worry about it. I got it. I'll do it. Um, and so, I think that was us all morning. Sure. Yes. Actually, now that I think of it, when we were having computer problems, that's exactly it. It's that's like, exactly what was going on. on. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. And so having it in the third and fourth houses, it's, and which one of you is the fourth house? Mm. So that, I think that's Lisa has the fourth house Mars. Yep. Yeah. Okay. So, um, having the fourth house Mars, Lisa's going to be a little bit more protective, a little bit more, is she in the producing role? Is that mm -hmm. okay? So that makes sense because it's more of the, like, mm -hmm. I'm going to make it happen. The third house is more about communication. It's about like, I'm going to handle all the details. Yeah. I'm, I'm just not going to like do the operational things. I'm going to do all the exciting fun details. Um, that's you. And so, I feel so seen. <laughs> What's that? But I feel so seen. Oh, that's good. I love to hear that. So the, the thing that's actually going to get tricky 
is, and I was just glancing, but it looks like Lisa has Sun and Venus in the same sign, in the same house. I'm guessing they're conjunct. And that is a very diplomatic placement. Mm. It it indicates being really like, let me take care of this for you. Don't worry about it. I don't want to hurt your feelings. Mm. And you, my dear, are just like, you care about people's feelings, but you're so focused on getting it done and getting it handled that you don't mean to be bullying. You actually really want everyone to participate equally, but that's not always how it comes across. How it comes across. So so that's going to be your problem as a business team is making sure that you're consistently manufacturing consent without being annoying to each other because neither of you want to slow it down. Mm -hmm. Mercury and Aquarius, Mars and Sat, you're both like, go, 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 go. There's no water. We don't care. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Taking our tops off. Although I will say the, the, at the bottom of the, at the base of your dynamic is going to be an, is going to need to be an agreement about why you're even doing this. Yeah. And when one of you is doing tasks that feels too separate from why you're doing this, that person will eventually get very annoyed. Yep. And the way that both of you work is either you say too much all at once or not enough for too long. So that's going to be your work. We're going to have a post meeting after this. Lisa's listening and we're golden. It's yes. You are, it is, it, it, I love hearing it in practice. I mean, just watching you do your thing, first of all, is so fun. Thank Being you. on the receiving end of that gift is even more fun. Um, and it's, it's funny because so many of those pieces are just spot on. And knowing that you have some of it also, very appreciative. Yes, yes, so yes. for you in the, you know, as we kind of come to a close, we have a couple last questions, but one thing I don't want to miss on is, you know, ending this conversation kind of similar to the way that we started it, which is you talking about the evolution of time. It is what astrology is. It is what we are living um, and letting some of that unfold. And I think that there's no better way sometimes to see the progression of time than to look at who we were when. So I have a couple photos. Um, I have such a hard time picking photos. Say that again. I had such a hard time picking photos. Oh, well, you crushed it. Okay. Can you just describe this photo for mm-hmm. listeners? So what you're looking at there is, um, God, I don't remember what year it was. It was in the 1980s. I was wearing a red sweatshirt. I know this is not the important part, but it was my flash dance, Jennifer Beale sweatshirt. That you know what I mean? Important. It was like cut off. It was, I lived in that sweatshirt, but I live, I'm from Montreal. So it was freezing and I was wearing a black turtleneck underneath it. I was at the Montreal Psychic Expo. My mother took my brother and I to the Psychic Expo every year and we got our aura photos taken. What I didn't include because I just wasn't sure was uh, about two years ago, I met the same man that took that photo in his home and he took another aura photo of me. I know I should have included that. A friend of mine was interested in buying an aura photo uh, machine, like a, whatever, what are the cameras? And the guy who invented the technology, his first name is Guy and I'm blanking on his last name, unfortunately. He lives in the Bay Area. So the three, me and my friend Tanya and, uh, and oh my God, I'm blanking on her name. So me and my friends, friends. yes, me and my two friends, Hopped in the car, went to his house because they were interested in buying the aura photo machinery. And so at the time I was like, 
I have, I got my aura photo taken by, you know, somebody in the expo in the 1980s. And he was like, well, that was me because I'm the only one who owns the, owns the uh, technology. And I traveled to the psychic expos uh, in North America and I took the photos. So in his home and I'm in his home. And yeah, it was, it was really an amazing experience. Um, But I, my, I, also didn't send you. I actually have three photos, one of me, my mother, and my brother and I, all of our aura photos. Mm. It was like, yeah, we would we would go every year. Um, it was like in a metro station because where I'm from, there's an underground city. So attached mm. to the metros are like these malls. And I would just go to the psychic fair every year and like look at crystals and see psychics and astrologers and aura photos. readers all opened up. Did you ever think that you, I mean, technically if COVID didn't exist, you could be one of the, you know, one of the people at that expo that little, little you, Jessica was visiting. Interesting. I always knew I wanted to be an astrologer. Well, I wanted to be a social worker. And then when I discovered astrology, when I was 12, I only ever wanted that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've never been interested in psychic expos exactly, um, because of a lot of reasons. Yeah. But yeah, yeah I hear but, that. But yeah. Um, but I love, I love a aura photo. Like I just I, love aura photo. I remember the first time I did one of mine, my colors were not as beautiful as yours. I think there was a lot of red at the time. Um, I have a lot of red in the recent one I did as well. You know, we wonder why. Yeah. Um, Okay. So the, the last one, because I actually personally have questions about this, you know, you are someone who this hair, we, we were jamming on curls and then this is a Oh yeah. A little lack of it. Can you can, again, describe this photo for people? So and I was 20 was years it? old. I was you were 20, 20? in San Francisco. Uh, it was on 17th and Dolores in this apartment I lived in for a decade. Um, and you know, I had come out of the closet like a couple of years before a year or two before I shaved my head, yes. I wore men's clothing. I fancied myself like a baby butch. I was yeah. never a butch. I was never a butch, but I just thought like, well, if I'm a gay woman, je must be a butch. Like that's like a common thing that happened at the time. I, don't, I won't speak for young people today, but like, I thought in order to be, um, a queer woman, I had to look like a queer woman. I couldn't, yeah. you know, I couldn't be feminine in these ways. And so, and also, you know, I, I did enjoy it. I, anyways, so that is what I looked like. I had a shaved head for maybe a decade. And for me, a big part of shaving my hair was growing up, you know, I got lots and lots of compliments on my hair, just tons of compliments on my hair. And I have a, like a facial deformity. I have like a face mm-hmm. effect where my face effect. I don't know if that's not really a word, but um, where one of my eyes is significantly smaller than the other and I don't have full control over it. And so having that on my face was, of course, really upsetting and traumatic for me. And so getting all this validation for my hair and having big hair that I could cover my eyes with was a huge deal. And so when I came out of the closet and of course, really deeply discovered feminism, I was like, oh, so I'm just going to take this one thing about me that I always get validation on and I'm going to throw it away. Just and going to remove it. Yeah. yeah. You're not going to identify me with my hair. Exactly. Yeah. And, uh, and it was really powerful and also really easy. Like so easy because this takes effort. That took none. I just had to shave my head every couple of weeks. It just, uh, you know, the amount of times I'm like, I just, what if we didn't? What if we yeah. didn't have to deal? Because it's Honestly. not as easy as it looks. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and it doesn't look easy either. Yeah, I don't it, think, but that's maybe because I know. I just, 
it's not a wash and dry. Let's just put it that way. (laughs) You know, Um, well, Jessica, this has been so valuable, um, not only because you gave me some really pertinent information, um, but just the way that you're able to so bring together a bigger purpose for all of the work that you're doing and give us that gift. Mm -hmm. I want to end here. I want to know what are you batshit grateful for today? Mm -hmm. Oh God, I'm so grateful to live in California right now. I'm so grateful uh, because like a couple weeks ago with the fires, you know, um, I was so scared of being here in California, but I do, I love, I love being in the Bay Area. I love, I'm so grateful for the air quality, for the weather, um, for my fruit trees and plants and cats and stuff like that. So that's what I'm feeling like ridiculously grateful for. Mm-hmm. Oh, good. And then who is a woman or person who is a woman or person on the rise that the woman on community should know about? Oh, ah, tell us. And oh my God. So many I'm going to make you pick one, but if you need to pick three, we are all ears. We love you know, following amazing people that you love. Sonia Renee Taylor is such, she created the body is not an apology. She's just this amazing speaker and writer and um, moments where I'm like, I can't, I can't be on social media. I see her post and I'm like, yeah, I can. This is good for me. I can do this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She's, she's so inspiring and amazing and, uh, and lovely. Okay. So, yeah. And so then that, that too comes to mind. Just, I, we're on her. We're going to give everybody her info. And then when we look to 2021, what is, what is your parting wisdom to us? Ooh, 2021. You're like, do we have another hour? I know. Um, Truly the next few months. Yeah. Because as you said, they're going to be It's going to be a lot. Yeah. I would say um, act one integrity, whether no one's watching or not, and whether it's easy or not. That's what I would say for 2021. A woman. A woman. A woman. A woman. Thank you so much for having me. This has been so fun. Likewise. Yeah. Woman On with Maxie McCoy is a Woman On production. Maxie McCoy is your host. Your executive producers and creators are Maxie McCoy and Lisa Raphael. Sharissa Wright is our technical producer, video editor, and audio producer. Social media for Woman On is brought to you by Betty Jean Bowles. If you're anything like me, you love listening to inspiring stories, but then there always is this little letdown at the end of a show because it's sort of like, well, now what? How do I put anything into action that I've just heard? Well, at Woman On, we're here to solve that. Each episode comes with a free worksheet that you can download to get dirty with all the wisdom and put it in your own life. Just go to womanoncollective.com backslash worksheet.